Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping the members of our church, Sacred City Church, follow Jesus in the everyday, ordinary rhythms of life. But if you're listening from another church, we welcome you. And uh, we're excited that you're, you find this helpful. Today is a special day. We want to do something uh, kind of unique because this is, this week is um, our 10-year anniversary as a church. Um, today, I've got uh, my pastoral assistant, Kevin Knorr, hey with guys. me. i got my deacon of worship, Joel Bickford. Hello. And deacon of youth, Alex Tate. What's going on, guys? And three of us have been here for 10 years. Yeah. Kevin yeah. doesn't know nothing. No, Kevin. No, no. <laughs> newbie over there. Yeah. Fresh meat. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, on, so we're recording this on Monday, bef- the Monday before our uh, members only Friday night uh, 10 year celebration and our uh, Sunday citywide kind of celebration where we're going to celebrate uh, 10 years of God's faithfulness to us, a church, to us as a church. But what I wanted to do today was just kind of talk with, with, these, with these guys about um, just looking back over the past 10 years, you know. And one of the things that we're, we're supposed to do often, and uh, I'm going to preach on Sunday about Psalm 103, where David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that was, is within me, bless his holy name. Forget not his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. That there is uh, a danger in us losing sight over what God has done in our lives, in our midst, how he's used us, how he's providentially taken care of us, how he's met us, how he's answered prayers. Yeah. There's a huge danger in us in forgetting all of those benefits mm-hmm. and not doing what we're supposed to do, which is bless his holy name, praise the Lord, right? Give thanks to him. And so let's just, that's, that, that's kind of where I want to go. We don't have any agenda. We don't have anything. Uh, we're, we're smoking some cigars to the glory of God right now. And we don't have any agenda other than that. It's a week of celebration. Yeah, it's a week of celebration. That's right. <laughs> this is the week, this is the week of celebration. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm just going to start off by saying, I think what I'm most thankful for the, this past 10 years is that God has kept me faithful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 years ago, I think one of my biggest fears was that I would be disqualified from ministry for some sin or some, cause I was young and I was, you know, I don't, I hadn't been really discipled very well by anyone. And, um, this, this church planting thing was pretty new to me. And I, you know, I've got a very, uh, confrontational kind of personality and, um, and just, you know, which can be dangerous un, if it's untethered. And so as I look back over this past 10 years, I think one of my greatest um, 
evidences of grace is that God has, God has kept me. Yeah. And, and I, that might not seem like a big deal, but I don't know. I'm trying to think right now off the top of my head. I don't know very many people my age who have planted a church and stayed and didn't blow their life up. Mm. Yeah. You know, and then even lately, even some big, you know, high profile, obviously we know the Mark Driscoll, we know the Darren Patrick, we know the James McDonald, we know, you know, like you could just go down the list. And, uh, I'm just really thankful that right now I'm not on that list. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) be honest, I'm not on that list. Now I, I do have regrets. I do. I have made mistakes. I have obviously said things that I wish I could take back and been too uh, aggressive and pugnacious and argumentative and proud. And, you know, I've got a lot of things I could take back over the past 10 years, but, um, overall, I'm just really thankful that 10 years in, I'm just as passionate about the gospel and just as passionate about the local church Yeah, and not, I'm not like cynical and, you know, so I think that's, you know, one of the things I think of right off the top of, that I wanted to just get out there is like, man. And I also, like, with the growth and the success that we've had, you know, I'm still in missional community. Mm-hmm. I still have friends. People talk about, you can't have friends in ministry. Well, I have friends mm-hmm. in this ministry, you know. I don't hate my job. I love my job. Um, you know, our church our church members are a blessing by and large. I freaking love them. I love being around them. They're kind and they're generous and they love God and they serve God and they make our city a better place. So, man. That's good. I feel super blessed. That's awesome, man. You know? That's really good. Yeah. And I think, too, just like um, I've been with you for a while, that um, just kind of knowing you is that you let the Holy Spirit um, kill the wrestler that was in you. You know, that for a while, you know, the wrestler was like your identity and like, you know, how you would move forward. But I think like if it didn't, I mean, who would know if the church would be here, right? And I think like you have invested in, you know, all three of us, but Joel and myself and, you know, to be specific, because we've been with you since for 10 years and to be able to um, see you grow and then you also, you know, um, help grow us and that the Holy Spirit used you to help um, be a big part of renewing this city and planting the church. Um, and it's just been, have, it's been good for myself and for my family to, um, for the growth that I have, just kind of being with you and um, being under your um, leadership and um, just excited about that and be able to celebrate all week with you. So yeah. it's good. Me too. <clears throat> Man, I mean, it's, Joe, we, we kind of talked just a minute ago about like, it's almost hard to believe. It is. Yeah. Like it's been 10 years. 10 freaking a decade, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A decade. Yeah. I can remember, I mean, I can literally remember the day that you called me and I was still living at my parents' house and I was sitting on my bed and you called me and you're like talking about Omaha and talking about the church. And I was just like, I can remember, like, it feels like it was yesterday. In one, in one sense. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, as I, as I pan out and I think about 10 years, my highest highs and my lowest lows have been experienced in the past decade. And they've all been um, in the context of this church. Good, good, and, good and bad, great and awful. And, and to have, like, I have, by God's grace, cultivated real friendships that have helped carry me through all of those things yeah. and gospel me through all of those things and help me see perspective. And I think of the verse of um, teach us to number our days that we may, you know, gain get a heart, yeah, gain a heart of wisdom. And in those highs and lows that you experience by being rooted in a church like this, that, uh, and if you actually invest in community and in friendships, when I pan out, I see, it, it gives me a perspective of like the things that I thought were horrible. <laughs> Oftentimes those were the things that God showed the most grace in and the things that I thought were going to be the greatest or felt like the greatest were kind of like, eh. And so I, th- I think God has helped me ha- uh, mature me, obviously. I think that, that give me a, a heart of maturity, but it's come specifically through the people that he's put yeah. in my life and yeah. to help and me that's see no, that. That's no small thing. That's I no do. small thing. There's that new, there's a new um, article out right now and, and, and a study that says basically friendship is at an all-time low yeah. in American history yeah. and specifically for men that there's 10% of American men that have zero friends. Mm. 10% of American men have zero friends. Wow. Now, a lot of that is the rise in the internet. You know, people can stay at home and be antisocial and they can still get a semblance of community by, you know, having some kind of group video chat or some mm-hmm. or gamers or whatever it is. But there's 10% of American men that have zero real in-person face-to-face friends. And that has societal impact. That has negative societal impact. And, you know, people, some, some people, you know, we, we've, we haven't been, uh, I hope we haven't been um, negligent. I don't think we've been negligent to our women, but we, and we haven't been, we haven't gone overboard with the manhood talk and the be a man and all this kind of stuff and going mm-hmm. after the men. But we have, we do specifically talk about bi- biblical manhood. And one of the main reasons we do that is because as the men go in a society, yep. the society flourishes or the society doesn't flourish. Yeah. Like, the majority of the problems in society are because men go crazy. Mm-hmm. Men sleeping around, men not getting jobs, men being violent, men being men doing dumb stuff. That's why the majority of our penitentiaries are filled with men, mm-hmm. right? Majority of the problems, men not taking care of their babies, men not providing for their families, men not... And so we've focused on calling men stand up and be men and to lead their families and to, to do the right thing. Yeah. And so as a result, we've got a lot of great men in our church. And then that means for us is we get a lot of good friends. Yeah. yeah. We have the opportunity for a lot of good friends, you know, like other men that are inspiring us to love our wives better, to lead mm-hmm. our kids better, to be more fit, to work on our bodies, to focus on reading and focus on difficult things in our mm-hmm. careers and all kind of things. And yeah, I mean, 
Um, it's one thing I was telling Joel is <clears throat> in one sense, when I look back, first off, when I have, when I look back with the eyes of grace, we are better than we deserve. And we have, I can't believe what God has done in yeah. the past decade. Mm-hmm. Right. But then when I look back in my flesh, yep. so I'm like, oh, what have we done? We should be farther along. We should be bigger. We should have made a bigger impact <laughs> yep. in our city. Yeah. Why, why don't we have 10 churches planted and a thousand people and blah, 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 blah. Um, but then I, I just started thinking about like who I was when I planted the church, yeah. who the, the group of people that we had, like who? literally all, <laughs> oh, man. all young bucks, young yeah. folks. Uh, I'm trying to think there was like, Alex, Bridget, you guys were married, but yeah. there was like AJ and Carrie, I think, were married. They AJ's moved in. yelling at everybody, being a- mad. What, what'd you say? <laughs> that AJ's yelling at everybody, being angry. That's no, right. Yeah, I love AJ. Uh, but you started yeah. with a youth group, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it was you know, it was like to immature. think that God could have planted a church with that group of hobos. Dude. Do you know what I mean? Like me, like all of us. Yeah, like awesome. just, and, and, you know, young and, um, you know, probably and, way and, too confident. Honestly, I, I don't know what we are. Confident why are you so in. confident, Justin? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't even say just him. But I feel like all of us kind of had this thing. Like I don't know, we were coming from something that we knew what we didn't like, and that was kind of about it. And, and everything else, yeah. you know. By and then by God's grace, he I think he he humbled us. Well, I knew why I was confident. Yeah. Like the weird thing was. The audacity of our church planting vision yep. was, hey, guess what? Justin grew this big youth ministry basically off of his personality and his ability to be really convincing and funny and all this kind of stuff. Guess what? We're not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything that made you want to go to church in this past decade, we're getting rid of all of it. Mm. We're not going to market. Yeah. We're not going to social media right away. We're not going to, we're going to do liturgy. We're going to do slow songs that you think you're at a funeral half the time. We're going to cut everything way back. We're going to feel like we're Catholic when you step you're in. You're going to have a community and talk about feelings. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, that, that blew my mind. <laughs> I'm like, hold on, this is not the same guy. Like, I think he's just being intrusive, just trying to get my business. So what is going on here? Like, babe, this probably ain't it. This <laughs> this is not for us. Yep. Um, but God continued to use that and, and grow us through community, which is and then awesome. And then when everyone told us they hated it, mm-hmm. we were like, yeah. Of course Get you used do. to it. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah, of course, or of course, you, course do. you do. The same for you. Yeah. The same for you. This is about shaping souls. This yeah. isn't about entertaining. Yeah. And yeah. just the audacity of we are not changing. Mm-hmm. We are not changing. Yeah. And we're 10 years in. Yeah. We haven't changed. Now I've gotten I've gotten better. I'm I'm a better communicator. And I've uh I don't say as many dumb things as I used to from the pulpit. I don't let my opinions impact my sermons as much as they used to. Um, we've we've gotten better at even even gospeling and being in community. Mm-hmm. Um, those early days were a little bit like, you know, <laughs> someone once said, "Kicking you in the nuts for Jesus." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Wow, <laughs> it was kind of like that's what it yeah, kind of was, you know. But sure. but part of that was like we were proud, we were arrogant, and we needed that kind of intrus- 
uh, intrusivity. Is that the right word? We need that. We needed that intrusive community. We needed that. We need to be shaked from our comfort zone of putting on that face, that yeah. facade. When you come on Sunday morning, you come to missional mm-hmm. community, and everything's fine. And then the next day, you're about ready to get a divorce, but you you could have handled that in missional community the night before, but mm-hmm. you didn't because you're too proud. Mm-hmm. So we needed some of that intensity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean in the in the beginning, and it really it set us apart from what we weren't going to be like. Mm -hmm. And it, it told people you're not going to make us into your old church. If you come here from another church, you're not going to make us into your old church. Right. Mm -hmm. You, you know, we're going to, we are, this is who we are. This is who God's making, made us to be. And so I don't think a church planter can plant a church unless he's a little bit crazy and a little bit like that confident. Because the temptation to give in to everybody's demands is so intense. You get a guy that comes and he writes a check for $5,000 and then he wants to have a meeting with you and then he wants you to change this or that about the service. You know what? You kind of talk about sin a little bit too much. Why don't you just stop? That's, and by the way, that's a real scenario. That's like, that's, the, probably the number one complaint we've had from the day one is why you just talk about sin so much. You just talk about sin so much. Can't we just talk more about, you know, happiness and love and all these other things? The temptation to give in to those people is so great that a, a, a church planter has got to be a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I don't want to say arrogant, but God uses it. You know, God, God uses yeah. that stubborn, we'll say bullheaded, bold. bullheadedness as my Confident. mom goes. Confidence, bullheadedness. As you're talking, I'm almost seeing it like, I think we had the, we've always had the, okay, make disciples plant churches, renew the city, gospel community mission. We have all of our rhythms and identities. We had the, vi- we've always had the vision, the same vision out in front of us. And it's kind of the reformed and always reforming thing. I think we've, over the years, had particular emphasis on what that looks like, for good or bad, right or wrong. But it's always been, you can almost sniff out early years. It felt like I know what that doesn't like consist of and what that doesn't feel like. And now it feels like, okay, now I know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Praise God. I know what it feels like. And so now I know what, what we can press forward in early years. It just felt like a little bit more like, I know it's not that, I, but here's this vision yeah. and, and trying to aim at something. Not, not always knowing exactly how yeah, to do for it. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, so, what are some of you guys' favorite memories? Mm. Uh-oh. Mm. And this is, guys, and by the way, we didn't plan for this. This is literally just, we're sitting down talking about it. So, And this kind of stuff, I'll, I'll be honest, some of this is for my own good because I have a horrible memory. Yeah. I have a horrible memory, and this drives my wife crazy because when I say I have a horrible memory, I'm not talking about books. <laughs> yeah. I can remember quotes, and I can remember that kind of stuff, but when it comes to, like, situations unless I've told the story multiple times or I've heard the story multiple times I don't I don't remember things so yeah some of the you know you guys' favorite memories or notable memories or infamous memories I mean what, <laughs> what, you guys got anything okay if you want to go first we're trying to think through 10 years here <laughs> Kevin's <laughs> Kevin is over there smoke <laughs> and I don't count <laughs> he doesn't count I fly on the wall mm. <clears throat> Of course, when you ask the question, my mind goes completely <laughs> blank. Okay, uh, for some reason, I'll, I'll just riff, because the first thing that comes to mind is when we were, the season of time when we were at the center for our office space. And 
that was like for for a while, the first few years of the church, I was part time. I was coming on full time, and it, just getting used to like the vibe of like everybody's working in one office, which seems insane to me now. And so you'd be having like an intense counseling session. I got my headphones on. <laughs> so pause, hold on. So the center was basically like a, it was one yeah, big the, one big room, and we basically had like open air cubicles. Kinda. Yes, we had. Yeah. So we, nobody, I didn't have a door on my office. It was like separated into like four different kind of workspaces, but there was just like dividers. They were not. No, they were not soundproof no, dividers. So go ahead. So <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it's just the funny th- the funny scenarios of like yeah, I'm putting my headphones on cranking the music up to 11 and like, okay, I'm not, I can't, I can't hear that. And just trying to, you know, figure, figure doing ministry in that context is just, and God blessed it. You know, I remember like, you know, working through like, uh, pastor Sam and, and you in the office and arguments that happen. And you're and, and it's almost again, like in the nitty gritty of like the messiness of stuff. Yeah, I wish Sam was here. Cause I still remember that argument. Yes. I think it was something I, I actually, remember, I could, I could totally remember that. I played a song <laughs> during Advent that you didn't like, and he disagreed. And I was stuck in the middle. Like, <laughs> right what side did you choose? Right where the side. nine wants to be right where the yeah. nine wants to be. Yeah. Right in the middle between two Conflict. eights, <laughs> two eights. Uh Oh yeah. I think it came down to that. Sam was wrong, but <laughs> anyway, uh, no, but I think it's those memories. It's not, it's not, the glossy, like, I mean, I could talk about every Sunday after every Sunday, getting the opportunity to stand up on stage and see everybody's faces. And literally, they can't see it, but I can see their sanctification process happening over years and Sundays to where God is becoming more beautiful to them. And I can see it in their worship. That's, those, that's, those are my, actually, my, the thing I cover the most is, is that I had the opportunity to see that happen. Uh, from my perspective, but it's in the nitty gritty of the mess again, yeah. that where you think I don't want anything to do with that kind of situation. It's like, no, God showed his grace in the crazy in the craziness. Yeah. yeah. For sure. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's been a ride that I, I mean, I think the, the way that the liturgy and the Sunday gathering has continued to shape my soul over mm-hmm. the past decade. Like, I just... Every church that I grew up in, it was kind of a hit-or-miss Sunday. And, like, you were, I was always afraid to invite my friends because I didn't exactly know what was going to happen. And if the pastor was going to be a huge goofball that day mm-hmm. or if it was going to be some kind of weird some kind of weird thing, you know, Mother's Day and everything was going to be pink and they were going to be singing, you know, whatever. I don't, yeah. I don't know, just, just a bunch of weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you go and you're like, ah, oh, dang, you know, but like the confidence of the liturgy is pretty much always the same mm-hmm. and it's always going to be about the gospel. And Justin's sermon might be good, might be okay, might be not great, but it's, it's going to get to the gospel. Yeah. yeah. Like the gospel is going to be presented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that consistent message of, you know, you're worse than you kind of thought possible, but you're more loved than you can even imagine mm-hmm. week in and week out, week in and week out, you know. I think it's just, it's shaped my own soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? it's good. Mm-hmm. How did you go from um, not doing liturgy to doing liturgy? Mm-hmm. Where did that transition come? I mean, as moving from a position, going to plant a church. I know you did it mm-hmm. from the beginning, but was that Omaha or was that always So, uh, I mean, it, it, the change happened in Omaha. Mm-hmm. But the church, so I was in Omaha and I was basically there. I was doing a, a residency with core community church 
which didn't really have a strong liturgy. Mm. Every, every church has a liturgy, if you know what I mean, because mm. they always have the same order of service, mm. pretty much. But they didn't have like our, our order of service. Mm. Quorum Deo did, but I had I didn't go to Quorum Deo until I was at, till I was in Omaha for like six months or something. I think I went once, but it came from, because res- basically I was like, okay, I'm a church planter, I can plant whatever church I want to plant. So let's go back to scripture. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read a ton about ecclesiology and liturgy and worship order and all these different things, the regulative principle, and and I'm going to shape. I can shape this church service the best way that I think possible. Mm. And so I, by doing that and getting kind of soaked in like historical Christianity, I went back and realized, oh my gosh, mm. like liturgy was like the early church. They all did this thing, this liturgical thing. Yeah, it, Worship wasn't, and the, the key piece was I was born and raised to believe Sunday morning was about expressing my worship to God. Mm. It was expressive. Rather than formative, okay. So if you think about like, if you're a baseball player, when you go to practice, you're not there to express yourself. Mm-hmm. You're there to be formed. Yeah. So you're throwing pitches to be formed to teach you how to throw a better curveball or whatever, or how to turn two, right, or whatever it is. You're there to be formed. You're not there to express yourself. If you're ever expressive as a baseball player, it's in the game, mm-hmm. right? That's where you get to express some of your creativity. Well, I started thinking about, okay, well, what if Sunday, I think maybe Sunday is that. Sunday is meant to be formative. Yeah. And then the expressive element is actually the six days a week where I go out in my normal life and my normal job. That's where I'm expressing. Mm. So Sunday is more about me getting the right thoughts in my head, the right words on my mouth, the right feelings in my heart, you know, it's more about that informing me than it is about me expressing my worship and my devotion to the Lord. Because sure. mm-hmm. yeah. sometimes people want to express their worship in just silly, goofy mm-hmm. yeah. ways, mm-hmm. right? That God isn't pleased by. God mm-hmm. literally says there's certain ways of worshiping him that he turns his back on. He doesn't, he doesn't like, yeah. you know, yeah. his fat, certain fasts and certain ways of worship. Mm-hmm. And so reading some books, understanding some uh, church history, I came to realize... And then seeing the lack in my own discipleship. Mm. Oh man, I've been doing church like this for 10 years and I'm not, I'm not a disciple. I don't, mm. my theology sucks. My, you know, like how can my theology suck when I've been reading the Bible for 10 years and I've been going to church for 10 years and I've been a pastor for 10 years? Well, because my, our church sucked. Our mm. church liturgy and discipleship sucked. Mm. And so that has to change. Mm. And instead of thinking I had to reinvent the wheel, I just went back. I went yeah. back in history and said, how did they do it before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that was the big, that was the big change. And then it was like, yeah, we're going to do it when we come back, mm-hmm. you know? And in one sense, this is opposite church growth strategy. Yep. Because nobody wants this and nobody thinks you can do this and still grow a church. So if it grows, it's definitely of God. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've, I've often said uh, r- recently, I can't remember. I grew up in church my whole entire life. I can hardly remember what it was like to be in a different Sunday morning context than what we do now. And to the point where I, I think the evidence of grace in that is that 
I, I don't even want to imagine what it would be like otherwise because like what was what else do I have to call me in except the word of God himself mm-hmm. and the fact that this isn't a performance and God's not I'm not making God happy right now God is completely happy just these little things that we trickle in we've trickled in over the years and repeatedly say them it's stuff I need to hear every single week but now it's in me so now when I'm alone and I'm approaching God I know exactly how he sees me exactly what he expects of me I have language to express myself to God so the Sunday morning in general and how that's taken shape over the years has I mean it's shaped me yeah I can't even express how much it's shaped me the other thing I was thinking about too uh, these are less specific memories but more just the general culture that we were trying to create at the beginning and those, those beginning years of just doing something as simple as the story of God and seeing, hearing the questions that were being asked and hearing the answers that were being given that were sometimes wrong and then sometimes right and, and, and then going from the story of God to actually people telling their stories and seeing the level of intimacy and care. And a lot of times I mean, people got hurt and th- things were said wrong, but seeing kind of one anothering and taking care of the body happening in the moment and unpacking the gospel for people in their own stories and people learning the story of God for the first time. There's almost nothing, there's nothing like that. Um, and I think it, um, it it paid dividends down the road. I long for that in every single missional community I'm ever in to have that same taste of, you don't know what you think, you know, and what you do know, it's way more beautiful than you think it is Mm, that kind of thing. Um, I think, too, just even in that, just um, you're used to someone answering with advice or how they would have done things back in the day or stories that they have done. But, no, we're going to give you what Scripture says Mm -hmm. and how maybe there's a gospel flaw in how you're seeing your truth instead of God's truth. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just something different from what a lot of people are used to hearing. And God's truth is never going to lead you astray. And the community aspect of just... I can remember the first time people brought meals to my family when Judah was born and then every kid since then. And when my first home we owned, basement flooded multiple times and community flooded into my basement and helped me fix it. And countless other stories like that, that's like, again, kind of goes back to the friendship piece, the family piece of where would I be without these relationships I, 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 the gospel oozes out of these people in their, in their intentions and their love towards me. Yeah, that, that's, um, you know, as we, my, my wife and I counsel my, you know, my siblings and her siblings and they live out of state. We just constantly talk like life is so much harder outside of gospel community. Yes. Yeah. Like losses in the family, people get sick, they lose their jobs. They, and they're, like they've moved away to these cities because they're cool, sexy, fun cities like Colorado and, you know, like uh, Denver and all these different places and they don't have community. Yeah. And so when stuff hits the fan, there's no one to fall back on. There's Mm -hmm. no one to help them. You know, it's either the government or or no one. Mm -hmm. And we just take, you know, you take it for granted that when you get sick, your MC is going to, make some meals or you have mm-hmm. a baby, your MC is going to make some meals or if some tragedy tragedy happens and you know, you can't pay your bill, your MC is going to come together and they're going to help you. Yeah. You know, and it, it is like, it's become second nature. Mm-hmm. 
where when you talk to people, when I talk to other pastors, there's a sense where I like, I have a huge disconnect because they're talking about a lot of things. And I'm like, well, man, that sucks, dude. I, yeah. I don't have that church. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you mean by that. Right. Like, I, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, they say you can't have friends. I'm like, what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't. I would be like, I wouldn't be a pastor at that church if I couldn't have friends. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that's, that brings up a point. There's some things that I'm like, no, I, I won't lead a church like that. Like yeah. just straight up. I'm not going to be a part of a church I don't like. Right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I'm not going to build a church that I can't have friends in, yeah. Mm-hmm. So who do you go to then if you're, if you're struggling? Exactly. Well, that's, that's why, why a lot of these issues are happening with all these big pastors. You know, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's mm-hmm. why they take themselves out of community. So that's the one thing with the Mark Driscolls and all these things that people don't realize and people aren't talking about and they're missing is that the first problem is those guys aren't in. I'm just going to say small groups. They're not in small groups. That's the first problem. I would say if your pastor tells you to be a part of a small group and he's not in a small group, you should leave that church. Yeah, he's not practicing what he's preaching. That's a dangerous church to be a part of, mm-hmm. you know? And I get practically why it doesn't make sense for him to be a part of a small group because mm-hmm. I feel it. Yeah. I have a staff I'm supposed to lead. I have elders I'm supposed to lead. How am I supposed to be involved in a, in a, in a missional community as well that puts demands upon my time? And, you know, like theoretically could cause some problems in my life because they know my weaknesses. They know my flaws. They mm-hmm. know my sins. They know these different things. I ain't got time for that. I got time. I got to be cast in vision and planning sermons and do, I get the practical reasons. I think they're all crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they all, they, the, the benefits far outweigh the, the negatives. And you know also I mean? the flip side of that too is, and this is one of, this is another one of those things that's way up there for me is, the ability that I've had to be able to be in community with or in close enough proximity with, with men who have families, who are godly men and elders, even in our church, who are in community and are making themselves accessible to me to where I can look at them and say, okay, you're 10 years down the road from where I am and you're being vulnerable right now or you're setting an example and I can look to you because I have no idea what I'm doing. So I think, I mean, I think of you and I think of the, Casey Schutz and, and Sarah and the example that they set and Alex Arguello and Larry and these people who have uh, Rob and these people who have made their life open. They not only share the gospel with us, but they share their, their very lives with yeah, us. Yeah. And I get to learn, you know, I don't have to sit down with them. I can look at their life and say, yes, like that's, that's the kind of guy I want to be. Let me watch him. And you're yeah. there sharing dinner with me every other week or, yeah. or, you know, in Mitchell community. So and I think I think for me, like one of the memorable uh, moments for my life is, I mean, it's been all those things of sharing meals and being there for one another, sharing weakness. Um, but bike rides. In, what's bike that? Rides. Bike rides. Yeah, but in the midst of that, <laughs> Tri- sharing the gospel, <laughs> being in community and on mission. Um, Justin and I were, you know, on mission um, to this gym, and of course, like when we're on missions to this gym, um, everybody in our community. They weren't all, we weren't all fit people, but at the same time, we were going there to love on this gym and live in community with them. Then, of course, 
um, the community's like, hey, let's just do this uh, triathlon slash CrossFit workout. And of course, I never knew what I was getting myself into and how much I needed community in this moment. Um, but in, in the process of doing this workout, I almost drowned. And praise God, there was a guy in my MC that saw me and ran like he was in Baywatch, came to save me and help me out. But just in the midst of that, like just being able to celebrate and have a good time. But um, just knowing that like while we were on mission to these people, we were, I mean, in that moment, he was there for me when I needed it the most. <laughs> is that when you're trying to swim in your Nike shots? Is yeah, that it, was, it was not a good situation. I felt like there were 20 pounds and it was, it was heavy. Infamous story. Absolutely infamous. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, there's been a lot. <clears throat> there's been a lot of crazy stuff that's happened. A lot of good stuff, a lot of bad stuff. Uh, I remember early on some dude like yelling during one of my sermons. Oh yeah. And it like I wait I still to this day I can't remember what it was, but it felt like something weird. I don't mm. know if the guy had mental issues. I don't know if the guy was like There was a weird vibe in the room that day too. I remember that. Yes. It was yeah. a super mm. weird vibe. I mean Guys, this last Sunday we had, I think the number was like 377 people mm-hmm. worshiping with us on Sunday in Sacred City Davenport. Ten years ago when this happened, or nine years ago, there were probably 60, 60 people yeah. in the same building. Yeah. So it was like ghost town, right? Like you Everyone got, spread out. <laughs> you got 40 seats between you and the next person. Yeah. And I'm preaching, and this guy just starts doing very weird things and I don't I mean literally like we I don't still don't know if it was some kind of demonic evil spirit type thing but it was super weird mm-hmm. right so I remember super weird stuff happening like that I remember one of the worst things that ever happened was I came off the the, the stage after preaching and got a phone call from the Davenport Police Department and a guy that we've been on mission to had yeah. OD'd mm-hmm. in an apartment in a, or no, in a hotel, a hotel. and mm-hmm. I had to go and be in that room, which was super dark and super yeah. despondent and having to preach that funeral, yeah. which would, you remember that? Yeah. And I remember, I mean, the, the wild part about it is, I mean, I was with you in each one of those moments, um, how scary and how dark that would be. And I, I'm not for sure how many other moments you have had like that, but the heaviness of that being a pastor, mm. you know, and, and, and all the other situations that you have to deal with, not even just that, but even in your own home that you have to deal with, you know, to see that. But in the same sense that you actually had to do the funeral and hopefully there was someone that gave their life to Christ there because in that moment, that person was, he was a drug dealer. There was people that he hung out that did a lot of drugs and all these different things. And the hope there was, was that, there was straight up drug kingpins coming down from Chicago yeah. at this funeral. Mm-hmm. And there were people there that were huge tattoos mm-hmm. everywhere, yeah. tweaking, tweaking, like shaking and tweaking yeah. and twitching while I'm preaching. I preached the gospel. I, I literally, <laughs> I said, he would want you to know this. Yeah. Like, and I call them all sinners, and they the only hope for them is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I was afraid for my life yeah. <laughs> when I was preaching the gospel that day. Mm-hmm. That was freaky. Mm-hmm. That was freaky, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember moments like that. Oh, man, I'm trying to, I don't even know, man. There's been so, but there's been so many. So it's been really hard 
really dark, really deep stuff, but also, you know, really good things, yeah. you know? And one of the things that I've seen God's faithfulness in is every time, so there's always been like, most of the time people don't leave like by themselves for whatever reason. Mm. I think maybe it's because we're, we're missional community driven. Sure. And so if you're here at the church, you're probably a part of a missional community. And you've yeah. got a little group of people. We drive community so far. So usually like, you know, when people leave, they leave with a little click mm-hmm. of people. And from the get-go, I remember like having posts on the city, like 10 reasons why Sacred City Church isn't the church for you. Yeah. Mm. Like we, in the beginning, we were just like, <laughs> if you don't like this, go away. It's not yeah, like we yeah. weren't upfront about the fact that you might not like this. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. Right. But um, because this is the vision, you know? And some sometimes, hey guys, sometimes it's like, you know, they leave because they don't like me or they don't like, you mm. know, something. I get that. That's, that. You know, I can own that. Yeah. But what I've seen is as like we would have a group of people leave and I'd be really, you know, upset about that. Mm-hmm. People don't think I get upset about things because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty vision oriented, but I do. I want everyone. I believe I, ha- I will just say it. I believe we are a good church. I believe we're a gospel centered church. I believe what we have here, you can't find anywhere else right now in the quad cities. And I think it's really good for your discipleship and your children. Yes. So when you leave here, I'm, I'm grieved by that. But what I've seen God do is literally when he takes people away from the church, the next week he just literally mm-hmm. he just drops that many mm-hmm. people back in. Yeah. It's been bizarre. When we sent Moline oh, and, and Sam, I was like, oh my gosh, we're sending 50 people away. Yeah. And then the next week our numbers didn't go down. It was bizarre. I remember one time a guy that was you know, I'll just say he's one of our biggest givers in our church. He was giving something like he was making a lot of money. He's giving something like five thousand dollars a month to our church. Mm. So, which it enabled us to hire a whole new staff member and all this kind of things. And he got moved to a different city for his job. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, what are we going to do now?" And literally within a month, we had five new families that basically made up for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's like just miraculous things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Like we've never had to beg for money. Mm-hmm. We've never. You know, we've only taken two offerings up in the history mm-hmm. of our church, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Dude, to just, I don't want to pump people up too much, but to, I, I also, I can relate to what you're saying. Some of the stuff about like uh, other pastors talking about like their struggles with these things. Now, right after we planted Moline was probably the hardest time that I had. It was like, there were Sundays where it was like literally me and Jarek on the stage. That because was, out of those 50 people, like five of them were great musicians. Great. On your team. And that's my point. We have always had fantastic, artistic, creative, talented musicians. And not only that, and I tell them this as often as I can, they have always been the most servant-hearted people that I have ever met. They, it's not hard to schedule them. They want to be there. They want to contribute. And they, they contribute to the culture, and they, they want to worship Jesus. Great. That's the cherry on top. But just how God has brought I feel like every need that we've had, Mm -hmm. he has supplied. And not felt needs, but the real needs. And he's graciously withheld some of the felt needs that we had to give us something better. But specifically for me and the team and and musicians and just the joy that it is, it's 99% of the time it's been an absolute joy to just get up there and be like, we get to worship God in front of people and they're 
and our church responds to see that to see how our church has kind of gone from even a, a church of kind of like figuring out what the liturgy thing is, kind of stoic, to where it is today. I see people on fire for Jesus, honestly, and that's not coming from my personality. Um, that's coming from the Holy Spirit, you know, and so. I could go on about that, but God has, I, I think that's the point of it is that like God has provided every single need that we've had yeah. um, in the past 10 years Yeah, mm-hmm. across the, across the board. Yeah. It's Agreed. Good. That's good. Um, you know, and as I look back, you know, we talked about like, we're, we've accomplished way more than we thought we were going to in the beginning. We were literally like, like <laughs> kind of like, forget the world like we're yeah. if it's just us in a missional community for t- forever this is what we're going to do that's fine. in the beginning that's where we're like we don't care if we're one mc or two mcs yeah. we'll go on like this forever because this is the way god wants us to do it yeah but then somewhere along the line you start you know whatever and you start now you look back and go man i wish we would have accomplished so much more mm-hmm. you know you have those those kind of those regrets or i don't even know if they're regrets they're just you you we never thought we would be here 10 yeah. years ago. But then when you're here, you look back and go, man, I wish we were bigger. I wish we had more of an impact. But one of the things that Joel and I were talking about was um, because we, we have a desire to create better, you know, like create more albums, yeah. to write more books, to make more of a cultural impact yeah. in our city. And um, But a lot of the times those things don't, Church plants don't really do those things because they don't have the resources. They're trying to they're trying to live day to day, week after week. But when a church has been around for ten years, mm-hmm. they start now. They have a structure. Now they have a system. Now they have something that can support young creatives yeah. doing new work. Yeah. And this first ten years has really been about building a church, and and by God's grace, that's happened. Mm-hmm. We have a healthy church yeah. by God's grace. We have great leaders mm-hmm. by God's grace. We have solid elders by God's grace. Yeah. Amen. We had none of that in the beginning. Yeah. So the decade has been really, and building us, like we are different people than we were 10 years yeah. ago. And I think too, just be that established. I mean, from you starting from being a youth pastor and starting with a youth group to now, um, you know, to have a youth group in your church, being able to now disciple our own kids, like mm-hmm. you talked about before, to pass the baton mm-hmm. to those as they continue to be creative, to use their skills and use their gifts yeah. for the glory of God. So now, this next 10, 20 years, we're still going to do what we've been doing, make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. <clears throat> but I think maybe we've got a structure now. We've, we've, we've got a church that we can build off of. Yeah. So in the next 10, 20 years, let's maybe, I pray the Lord would give us a building. Yeah. You know, like a home base. I pray that we would start writing some music and having some albums, that we'd start, we'd start having some more creati- creative outlets from our city or from our church into our city, that we would, um, we would start seeing some fruit that we, have, that we haven't really got to see in the last 10 years mm-hmm. because we've been so bu- busy building the foundation. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> That's what I'm hoping the Lord will do. Yeah. But I think it's, too, just the evidence of grace, just... Throughout, even throughout COVID, you know, 
I mean, how we had a transition between that, you know, just in the midst of having a meeting, just talking about the world shutting down to 200 people to 100 people. And then we're trying to plan for that. Then it goes down to 50 people and for God to, you know, continue to, you know, give you the vision and for the elders to come around to, you know, doing online, to getting the tent and to kind of working our way back into some of our regular rhythms. And it's been, you know, awesome. Oh, yeah, that's insane. I know we think about 10 years and that... You're that num- was not on the radar. Your number nine sucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your number nine was terrible. That forty-two degree gathering we did in the tent. Hey, yeah. but people showed up. That's got to be a, that's a memorable that, that's moment. an up that's up there. Oh, busting strings. <laughs> memorable so moments. Here we go. <laughs> memorable moments. Year number one or two. I have this what I believe to be a genius idea. Okay, we're doing Advent. We've never done Advent before. And I got this idea of like, you know what, Christmas Eve, we need oh, to, yeah. we we're going to do this Christmas Eve gathering, Uh-oh. and here's what we're going to do. I want to make this memorable for our kids. I want our kids to like have a tradition, right? So I want the kids to wear PJs, you know, because it's going to be a late night service. We're going to do candle lit, and then we're going to go outside, and I'm going to preach on Jesus is the light of the world, and we're going to light these <laughs> Chinese uh, lanterns which are basically paper lanterns that you light and they're, they're supposed to float up in the air. They're really cool. And they're beautiful, yeah. right? <laughs> it sounds- well, well, this is freaking Iowa, bro. That's a situation. <laughs> this is Iowa. Christmas Eve just so happens that it is like six degrees out, 30, degree, or three, 30 mile an hour winds. Mm. But you know me, we're doing, we're doing it anyways. anyways. <laughs> so we get out there, we start lighting these things off. First off, People with regular Bic lighters, they wouldn't light because the wind was blowing so hard. So, I, ha- of course, I had my cigar torch in my pocket. <laughs> Everybody's using my cigar torch to light these things. And soon as they, first off, they would only go about five feet above our head because they weren't getting warm enough. Right. They weren't cold. getting warm enough to rise. So they go about five feet above my head. Yeah. Then the wind would catch them, and they threw them right into the trees down by the pool. Ooh. <laughs> and this is, so this is the funniest part. So we're seeing these paper lanterns get caught in this tree, right? <laughs> and we're like, I mean, it's the middle of winter. It ain't going to catch fire. But in our minds, we're seeing them get caught in this tree. Then within like five minutes, we hear we hear sirens. We hear, <laughs> Why did everybody leave? <laughs> everybody <laughs> ran. Everybody just bolted. I think it landed in the, wall, the Walgreens parking lot over there. I remember driving home and being like, oh, there's a fire truck in the parking lot. Dude, I, and I don't even know. I really don't think that maybe. Do you think it was? Yeah, I think that's what it was. I don't think one made it that far. Yeah. Maybe it did. Eastern Park. Well, we didn't know for sure. You made it pretty far to your truck. (laughs) We we all took (laughs) off running. And then I think we might even have tried it one more year. And then, just evidence of grace, I think then Ben, Ben the next year, I was like, hey, listen, we can do this. He's like, no. Yeah. (laughs) We're not doing it anymore, Justin. I'm like, Ben came on staff and he's, he's, was it the Senate that says they're the cooling chamber? Ben is the cooling chamber yeah. of, the, of the... We're no longer doing Chinese <laughs> lamps, Justin, or whatever it is. That had to be one of my uh, oh, yeah. one of my favorite funny memories over the past... How about when you were swatting down bees? Swatting bees. <laughs> You're Mr. Miyagi up there, man. That was I remember the theater, somebody, before they updated it, somebody put plugged in a coffee maker in the wrong space and the whole power shut down in the whole in the whole theater right before service is like that place used to be so ghetto <laughs> where did we one time the power went out while you were leading worship mm-hmm. do you remember that it sounds familiar gosh i don't remember though yeah one time the power went out when you technical were leading, difficulties we've had so many place. ghetto <laughs> yeah like because the 
crazy power. Mm-hmm. The, the power situation in the beginning was nuts. Mm-hmm. Horrible. He. We'd be without he. Oh. Or be without had, he. Or be without. Tell me AC. about that. Tell me about that. The first ever Sunday night gathering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first ever Sunday night gathering that yeah. we had as. It was a closed Sunday night church gathering. Mm-hmm. And it was at. Sacred Heart. Oh, the mm-hmm. Sacred Heart. Sacred Heart Cathedral, which mm. uh, that the place we were gathering, it was an old school and it's been torn down now. Yeah. But do you remember that? I remember that. It was smoking hot. That's we it. Yes. it Everybody lit- took their shirts off. <laughs> <laughs> you preached the gospel. It was literally like it was like 90 degrees in this old schoolhouse with the we were in like the theater room. It had or the auditorium, it had no heat, no air. Right. And we couldn't even open the windows because they were painted shut. We tried <laughs> yep. to open them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was literally 90 degrees. And we were all sweating. And I remember preaching to like 30 people. And nobody could even pay attention because they were so hot. <laughs> I said, next week we got to be somewhere else. And then that's when we found uh, the connection. That's right. Connection. Does that, is that connection church still around? It is. And it's, it's super strange. Is it? It's like an anti-church is basically what, what mm. it is. But. God so bless him for letting me use our space. Yeah, that, I mean, it was, they had a different senior pastor at that yeah. time. That senior yeah. pastor moved to Chicago, but yeah. that senior pastor let us use that space. It was a little kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, tables and stuff mm-hmm. that let us Coffee use on, shop on a Sunday night. We had so many kids in that little room. One, bought, dropped, <laughs> it was so hot in there. Ten kids in that one little closet, basically. Yeah, yeah that was... That's the other thing about 10, I mean, ten. how long this podcast is going to be, but it's like 10 years. At the beginning, nobody had kids. Now we have, what was, I don't even know what the numbers are. Yeah. Over 150. I had two. I had two. I got five now. Yeah, I was just talking <laughs> to you about this. Is like I had a ton of creative energy before I had kids, and then it's like I got to figure out my home life, and yeah, just. But when yeah. I think about that first group and that closed Sunday night gathering, those those you know the, the, those first people, nearly every single one of them are still a part of our church, and it. From my recollection, the only people aren't who aren't still with us moved had to move had away, to move for, away. Yeah. for work. That's yeah. Shanahan's. I'm thinking of yep. you know, Shanahan's and um, you know, some people like that. But mm-hmm. I think for the most part, there's only a few few people that came in those early days that didn't stick with us. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Yeah, which has been pretty crazy. That yeah. is. So everybody had sports cars and pickup trucks. Now we have. Mini I rode a motorcycle, bro. <laughs> I rode a motorcycle. We I both had, had motorcycles. I had a yeah. Harley. Yeah. I rode to church in a Harley. Man. Third yeah. child, that one disappeared. Yeah. That one disappeared. And we got the mini buses out front. Mm. All of us. <laughs> Minivans. Mm. Yep. Mm. So, the mm. Lord has been faithful. Absolutely. Look what he's done in the past decade. And I pray that this weekend would be that for us. I pray that we would... At the members only meeting, I pray that it would be just worshipful and joyful and fun and enjoyable, you know, for the glory of God. And um, and again, this is not a testimony to us because God's done this in the midst of all of our failures and all of yeah. our screw ups. Um, you know, and then I pray Sunday would just be. I pray we'd look around and go, wow, wow, yeah, wow, because there's going to be a lot of folks here. And I pray, I pray, hopefully, hopefully everybody brings a friend and a neighbor and something. And um, it's just a fun, enjoyable gathering that we can just go look what the Lord has done. Yeah. And then go, if he's done this the past 10 years, what can he do mm-hmm. 
in the next 20. Because I got news for y'all. I'm 42. I got good 20 in me. <laughs> I still got another 20 in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, it might look different. Who knows? You know what I mean? But Walker, but, wheelchair. <laughs> Bro, the way my knees feel after jujitsu, that might be real. That might be real. I might need a walker. No, I mean like I'm ready to, you know, like as as God raises up young bucks to preach yeah. the gospel and yeah. to lead, I'm ready to hand off stuff. As mm-hmm. much as the God God wants me to hand stuff mm-hmm. off, I'm ready to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh Joel, same thing. You know, we you're raising up worship leaders Absolutely. and young guys coming up and taking a more I don't know if it's uh, you know a more of a supportive role. So like I'm right now, I'm at, I'm 42. So now I'm at the age where it's like, I want to be raising up people, not just build. I'm not trying to build my own ministry right now. I'm trying to pass the baton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Oh man. I so. mean, I'm much younger than you, but that's my heart. <laughs> much. Younger. We're, we're way much younger than he is. <laughs> but that is my heart's desire is to, to see the person who replaces me, you know, and, get to you know have my hands in that and where are you where are you you know where are they lord you know bring them yep and if not replacing then um raising them up for the next church plant. absolutely yes you know what i mean next church plant so all right well this podcast has been about an hour long so we're going to cut it short there's plenty more we could sit around and talk about um you got any questions, please email me, justindy at sacredcitychurch.com. We love you. Uh, hopefully you're thankful for what the Lord's done in your life at Sacred City. And hopefully you're looking forward to another 10, 20, 30 years to go. All right. God bless you. Talk to you soon. <laughs>